Bowl season begins as national championships are determined at lower levels. This is the Ultimate College Football Podcast. Welcome to the Ultimate College Football Podcast, providing national coverage of America's greatest sport. Join us for bi-weekly episodes throughout the season, and remember to subscribe and rate or review the show wherever you get your podcast. If you would like to contact the show, please email us at ultimatecfbpod at gmail.com or via Twitter at cfb underscore ultimate. Welcome back to the Ultimate College Football Podcast, as on today's episode, we are going to preview this weekend of football, so Friday, December 15th through Saturday, the 16th. Uh, we've got quite a bit of action. Bowl season begins on Saturday, then throughout the weekend, we've got national championships in the Division Three and Division Two levels of the NCAA, as well as in the FCS semifinals and the Celebration Bowl, which is is the uh, HBCU de facto championship. And then we're actually going to include on Monday the NAIA National Championship just so that we uh, cover all of our bases for the lower level championships. So let's begin with bowl season. And before we get into the specific bowls, something always to keep in mind is that bowl season is always more challenging to predict. And I think in today's day and age with the transfer portal and with how common it is to opt out, it's even harder to uh, read in the results from the season into the postseason. Almost every team is impacted by players who are opting out, and they opt out for several different reasons. For some, and for the most high profile, it's for those going on to the NFL. But there are many players who are entering the portal, and this impacts every team. And uh, sometimes those players do not participate. Oftentimes the coaching staff isn't uh, going to want those players still around, or the player themselves is just uh, you know, looking to the future. They don't want to uh, play a final game. But some of those players do play. The team needs them just for depth concerns, and the player uh, can kind of view it as a audition uh, process for, for other teams to look at uh, how they perform in the bowl game. So it means that some of these teams are very different from their regular season selves, and in many ways, I think that makes a lot of these bowl games uh, kind of more reminiscent of the bowl games in their original format where they were essentially more of an exhibition game not to say that they don't have any meaning uh, for these teams a lot of these teams it's their goal to make it to a bowl game uh, is of course another opportunity uh, to play a game together as a team uh, for some of these players it's their last time playing for their school or maybe even playing football altogether and uh, trying to finish the season off on a positive note so there still is uh, you know things to be gained uh, but the important Important certainly has uh, taken a hit uh, just when you look at all of the developments across college football. Uh, but let's begin on Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern on ESPN. You've got the fourth edition of the Myrtle Beach Bowl in Conway, South Carolina. You've got 6-6 six and six Georgia Southern at the Sun Belt versus the Max Ohio Bobcats at 9-3 and three going for their 10th win. Uh, this is a game that, just based on the regular season, Ohio had a much better year, but they are going to be without quarterback Curtis Rourke, and this is a different team without him under center. So I'm interested to see how this impacts Ohio 
Ohio. I do think it probably evens the playing field a little bit. Uh, Ohio has been very good in the postseason. They've won their last four bowl games. For Georgia Southern, they are a team that is kind of limping entering this game. They've lost their last four, and uh, their hope is that they can ride a very strong passing offense that ranks 15th, excuse me, 14th in the nation to victory. Uh, but they have some significant deficiencies on the defensive side of the ball. They are only the 95th uh, team in total defense, and their pass defense ranks 104th. So Georgia State, uh, we'll see if they can overcome their defensive deficiencies with a strong offense. And hopefully, if you are the Eagles, uh, Rourke being out uh, is going to hinder Ohio's offensive attack. Following this game on Saturday, you've got the New Orleans Bowl, uh, 2 p.m. to 15 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. This is the 23rd edition of this game and is featuring Jacksonville State, an 8-4 team from the Conference USA, making their first ever bowl appearance and their first season as an FBS member against Louisiana Lafayette, a Sunbelt team. Uh, coming in with a 6-6 six six record. They're making their 7th New Orleans Bowl appearance, which is a record, and uh, they've won a record of 5 New Orleans Bowls, so they're very familiar with this game. Uh, but for Jacksonville State, remember, they are a team that was ineligible for the postseason, but because there were not enough bowl-eligible teams, they uh, were able to uh, be given this opportunity, and they're a team that had a really good debut season in the FBS. Only losses are to Coastal Carolina early in the year, and then later in the year, they lost to some really good teams. Liberty, who's in the Fiesta Bowl, South Carolina, and SEC School, and New Mexico State to run her up in the Conference USA. So I imagine when you look at Jacksonville State, uh, the motivation should be a little bit bigger for them because it is a first in their program's history. And the X's and O's uh, do align up for Rich Rodriguez's team. They're a really good running team, and they're going against the 86 run defense uh, for the Raging Cajuns. So uh, this does look to be a favorable matchup for Jacksonville State. Moving a little bit later, 3.30 Eastern on ABC, we have the ninth edition of the Cure Bowl from Orlando, Florida. It features a two pretty good group of five teams. I think this is one of the better group of five uh, bowl matchups of the year. You've got Appalachian State, the runner-up in the Sun Belt, coming in with an 8-5 and five record. And they're going against Miami of Ohio, the 11-2 MAC champion. This is the first Cure Bowl appearance for both football team. Uh, and for Appalachian State, they are, of course, a newer team in the FBS, but they've had a lot of bowl success. They're 6-1 in bowl games. And they come into this game pretty hot, winning five of their last six. Uh, they're really strong offensive team, 20th overall in total offense. I think they could potentially uh, challenge Miami of Ohio, but is uh, difficult to overstate the successful year the Red Hawks have. Only losses were to Toledo, a close game in the regular season that they avenged in the championship. And then in September, they lost to the Miami Hurricanes. So this has been a really good team, a better defensive team. I'm interested to see how their offense is going to perform, uh, but uh, it's going to be fun to see Miami's defense, 27th in the nation against this high-flying Appalachian State attack uh, for Miami. They haven't had as much postseason success as of late when you compare them with App State. Uh, Miami, they are 1-3 in three in their past four bowl games, uh, all under Chuck Martin, so we'll see if he can win his second bowl game, but this could be a fun one uh, down there in Orlando. And then over on ESPN, 545 Eastern, 
from Albuquerque, New Mexico. We've got the 18th edition of the New Mexico Bowl. And New Mexico State, they're making their New Mexico Bowl debut. And they are a team that's undefeated in bowl games 5-0-1 all-time. Uh, Jerry Kill, uh, we've talked about it quite a bit this year, how he has really turned around this program, a team that has a very meager history. But in his two seasons, he's now going to two bowl games. And they are, of course, the runner-up in the Conference USA had that signature victory against Auburn late in the year, blowing out the Tigers. So this is a really good New Mexico State football team. They're taking on a Fresno State team that has been up and down this year. They had a really hot start, opening 5-0, and defeated some Power 5 teams like Purdue and Arizona State. But then they really uh, crumbled at the end of the year, lost their last three, and a team that was a championship contender in the conference uh, ended up having a pretty mediocre year. All things considered, still finished with an 8-4 and four record, uh, so respectable. Uh, but kind of the big story in this game is that head coach uh, Jeff Tedford for the Bulldogs, he is not going to be able to coach in this game due to health concerns. So the interim for this one is going to be linebacker coach Tim Skipper. We'll see how that impacts uh, this Fresno State football team. And regardless, if Fresno State's going to win this one, they're going to need a really strong defensive sewing because offensively, they've had some struggles and they're going against a good New Mexico State offense. But for Fresno State, they have struggled to both run the ball and defend a run and that could be a big concern in this new mexico bowl uh, the next game on the schedule is 7 30 eastern on abc the third edition of the la bowl featuring the hometown team ucla coming in with a seven and five record and a team that finished the year poorly uh, they went four and five in their last nine games and they finished the year one and three they're going against a red-hot Boise State team, a team that since uh, moving towards what is now the permanent head coach, Bush Hamden, they ended up winning the Mountain West Conference, finishing with an 8-5 and five record. Uh, and they are a team that's really good in rushing offense, 7th overall. It's going to be fun to see this elite rushing offense against what has been an elite rushing defense in UCLA, which ranks third nationally. They overall have the 11th total defense, uh, but their defense did uh, deteriorate some as the season went on. And you can see that, especially in their pass defense, ranking 72nd. A lot of those passing yards came in the back half of the season. And to make matters worse for the Bruins, their defensive coordinator, DeAnton Lynn, who uh, turned his defense around this year, he is left to become the D.C. at Crosstown rival USC. But if you're certainly just looking at things from a momentum standpoint, Boise State has a ton of it, while UCLA has uh, basically no momentum and uh, we'll see if uh, Boise State will end up winning they are the favorite despite being a group of five team they've had a better year or at least a better finish to the year but this UCLA team did show some signs at times this season of being a good football team even though they were inconsistent I'm curious to see what type of performance we see from the Bruins uh, in this matchup but overall a pretty good uh, Saturday night game here to help bring a conclusion to the Saturday, but it's not the last bowl game. The last bowl game of the day is the 47th edition of the Independence Bowl, kicking off from Shreveport, Louisiana, 9-15 Eastern, and it is featuring two 6-6 six six teams, Cal and Texas Tech. They are meeting for the second time. Their first and only meeting was in the Holiday Bowl back in 2004. If you remember that, that was a pretty big upset for Mike Leach's Red Raiders against a Cal team. 
led by Aaron Rodgers that had only one loss. They narrowly missed out on the Rose Bowl to Texas due to finishing uh, one spot below them in the BCS rankings. Uh, the Bears' only loss that year was to eventual national champion USC. Uh, so that was a pretty good matchup back in the day. I think we've got an even matchup here. The records at least indicate that. Obviously, not as juicy as a matchup as their 0-4 meeting. Uh, but this could be an interesting one. Cal, they're returning to the postseason for the first time since 2019. So certainly a bounce-back year this year after several e lean years in Berkeley. And this is a team that, oddly enough... This is bucking the trends under Justin Wilcox, but they're a better offensive team, particularly on the ground. Uh, but defensively, they struggled, and they have the 130th passing defense. So Texas Tech, which is a balanced football team offensively, they can run it and throw it, uh, especially run the ball with Tosh Brooks. But I think Texas Tech is going to see some opportunity to really air it out here against a weak cow rushing defense. But both teams, I think, excited to be here considering uh, Cal's recent history, and for Texas Tech, it's been a very disappointing year, uh, but the first half of the year was really brutal, and they finished the year 3-1 and one to make it uh, to a bowl game, so they do carry some momentum. Cal, they're coming in on a three-game winning streak, so both teams are playing their best football late in the year, and we could have a, a good matchup here in the first Power 5 uh, bowl game of the season. And before concluding here, does uh, Bear mention that Tyler, Tyler Shuck, who has been tech starting quarterback most of the year, although he has had some injury issues, he is transferring to Louisville. So the quarterback is going to be Brayton Morton, who has started a lot of games in his two years in Lubbock, and I think Tech feels pretty comfortable with him under center. Before moving on to the FCS, let's just quickly predict these games. So in the uh, Myrtle Beach Bowl, Ohio and Georgia Southern, I'm tempted to go with Georgia Southern with uh, Rourke out to the portal, but Ohio's been a better team. I'm going to uh, stick with the Bobcats to pull off uh, the victory there. In the New Orleans Bowl, I've got Jacksonville State over Louisiana Lafayette, and I think they could win that one pretty handily. In the Cure Bowl, Miami of Ohio and Appalachian State. Red Hawks, uh, once again, the team that was better and I'm going to stick with them, although this could be a very competitive game and one of the better games of the day. With the New Mexico Bowl, very confident in New Mexico State over Fresno State. Two teams trending in opposite directions. And Aggies, a uh, pretty good football team, probably underrated nationally. Uh, in the LA Bowl, going with Boise State. I just don't like where UCLA is right now. And I think uh, Boise State uh, coming in with lots of momentum. Conference champion, I think they're going to be very uh, motivated for this bowl game. I imagine the Broncos win uh, but does have a potential to be a competitive game and UCLA certainly could win it I think that one is a bit of a wild card but I am going to go with the Broncos and then the last game Cal and Texas Tech I like Texas Tech I do think they are a better team uh, than Cal and I think Cal's defense in particular is going to be difficult to overcome uh, but I think that is to be quite honest a pretty even game and uh, might be the best matchup of the day so let's move on to the FCS action this week and it is one of the biggest weekends of the season for that level of Division One. You've got the two semifinal games as well as the Celebration Bowl pitting the champions of the two HBCU conferences, the SWAC and the MEAC.
Act. The action begins Friday, December 15th, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2, the fifth-seeded University of Albany Great Danes against the number one undefeated defending national champion, the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. This is a matchup between the CAA and Missouri Valley Conference champions. The Great Danes come in with an 11-3 record and a thrilling victory on the road against Idaho to punch their ticket to the semifinals. Uh, these two teams have very different styles for South Dakota State. They are very good in the trenches, and they primarily focus on running the football for Albany. They are a high-octane offense that can beat you with the explosive play, and that's how they were able to defeat Idaho last weekend. Numerous big plays resulting in touchdowns help them rally and then eventually finish off Idaho in what was a thriller. The Jackrabbits method has proven to be much more effective in producing national champions than the Great Danes, uh, but the hope for Albany is that their explosiveness can be an equalizer. If you remember in last year's semifinal, Incarnate Word had kind of a similar uh, philosophy and almost resulted in an upset road victory against North Dakota State, who is more reminiscent of South Dakota State's style of play. So we'll see if Albany can surprise people. They are a three-touchdown underdog in this game. Uh, but they are certainly a capable team. It's why they are here, uh, making their deepest playoff run in program history. A couple big victories this year, Villanova in the regular season, and uh, Idaho, of course, last weekend. Uh, Villanova is a team that South Dakota State defeated in the playoffs last week. Um, both of these teams blew out Villanova. Uh, so we'll see what this game ends up looking like, but South Dakota State at home, big favorite here, and their team has been uh, perfect all season, played a lot of really good teams, and they have defeated all of them. I am unsure if you Albany can make this one close, but I'd agree with the experts, and I like South Dakota State to win it, giving them the opportunity to defend their national championship. Uh, the next FCS game is noon Eastern Saturday on ABC, the Celebration Bowl from Atlanta, Georgia. Florida A&M, the SWAC champion, and Howard, the MEAC champion, meet in their first Celebration Bowl for both programs. Uh, A&M, they are a program that's been very good in recent years but couldn't quite win the SWAC. And uh, instead of uh, been going to the playoffs at the FCS level, they are 11-1. and one. Only loss this year was to South Florida, an FBS program. So they are undefeated in FCS play, and they are certainly the favorite. But if the Rattlers win, it will be uh, kind of against the history of this game as the MEAC is 6-1 in Celebration Bowls. Howard, they come in with only a 6-5 and five record, but they played a much tougher schedule and losses to FBS teams like Eastern Michigan and Northwestern, as well as a non-conference loss to co-Ivy League champion Harvard. Don't discount uh, Howard. Uh, they are a better team than their record suggests, and this could be a pretty good game here for the de facto HBCU National Championship. And uh, always an interesting game. Lots of pageantry uh, really highlight the bands, which are always a great tradition at these schools. So that'll be a fun one uh, from the Atlanta Falcons Stadium uh, early on Saturday and what is a really full day of college football. Then the second FCS game and third and final game of the weekend for FCS Division One is the second semifinal featuring two blue buds from this level 
the 11-3 North Dakota State Bison at the number two seed Montana Grizzlies, the uh, Big Sky champion and winners of their last nine games. Uh, this game is essentially a pick 'em according to Vegas, and I think it's thought to be an excellent game. Uh, both teams making their 12th semifinal appearance for the Bison. Of course, those have all come uh, post uh, 2010, and for Montana, they're actually making their first semifinal appearance since 2011, and uh, they are returning to the semifinals for the first time in Bobby Hawk's second stint in Missoula. So this is a long time coming for the Grizzlies. For the Bison, it's been a down year, didn't even receive a national seed, uh, but they've really been hot as of late. They've won their last five, and four of those games are against teams that were playoff teams. So the Bison are playing their best football now, but the margin for error has still been relatively slim. Uh, they blew out, though, South Dakota last weekend, so I do think they're starting to kind of turn that corner. Had a really close win against Montana State a couple weekends ago, uh, so we'll see if the Bison, who uh, haven't had a break in a long time, didn't receive a first-round bye. Uh, we'll see if they can go on the road and win in one of the tougher environments in FCS football, uh, Missoula, Montana. Uh, the Grizz coming off of an overtime victory uh, in their playoff game last weekend against Furman. Uh, so this could be a really fun one. Uh, 4 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. The biggest storyline in this game is that this week, uh, North Dakota State head coach uh, Matt Entz announced that he is going to be leaving at the end of the season to become the linebacker coach at USC. Uh, that is certainly uh, a surprise, I think, to the folks and Fargo and we'll see if that ends up impacting the Bison. He's going to continue coaching this team until they are uh, eliminated or until they win the national championship. Uh, but certainly uh, that is something that I think looms large, and we'll see if that impacts NDSU. To wrap up the FCS, we're going to predict these three games, starting with the semifinals. I like South Dakota State to roll. I think I already mentioned that one uh, for the Montana-North Dakota State game. I think this is going to be uh, basically a coin flip game. It's hard for me to go against the Bison just with their history of postseason success and only one semifinal loss uh, in their history. That was to a really good James Madison team back in 2016. So I like the Bison to win on the road. And then for the Celebration Bowl, uh, this game is going to be closer than you would think when you just look at the records. But I am going to go with Florida A&M to uh, get the HBCU uh, de facto championship. We are going to wrap up with the lower division championships as national championships will be decided in the NCAA Division 3, 2, and NAIA levels. Starting off with the first game, the D3 Championship, Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPNU. From Salem, Virginia, we've got the Stag Bowl, named, of course, in honor of the uh, early uh, head football coach, Amos Almanzo Stag, in college football history, a legendary figure. Uh, so it's named in honor of him. And we've got North Central from Illinois, the defending national champion, going for their third title overall in their third since 2019. That doesn't even include a, a runner-up finish in 2021. They're going against Cortland uh, from New York, making their first ever appearance in the championship. Uh, I like North Central in this game, uh, but 
Uh, we'll see we've got a good one there Friday night. And then moving on to Saturday from McKinney, Texas, the Division II National Championship, 1 p.m. Eastern on ESPNU. We've got two undefeated teams, number one seed Colorado School of Mines, last year's runner-up, going for their first ever national championship against the second seed Harding, who is also going for their first ever national title. I think this could be a really good game to even teams by like Colorado School of Mines uh, to win a matchup of undefeated teams mine for the title. And then lastly, Monday, December 18th, uh, from Durham, North Carolina, we've got the NAIA National Championship. Uh, I can't remember if I mentioned it's a noon Eastern kick, uh, and it's a rematch of last year's national championship between Keezer of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, against uh, Orange City, Iowa's own Northwestern College. Uh, the Red Raiders uh, won this matchup last season, and uh, they're now going for their fourth national championship overall. Two of those were back when they were a Division II program in the NAIA. Uh, the NAIA, of course, just has a singular division for football, and Keyser are going for their first ever national championship. I'm going to go with Keyser to turn the tide and uh, get uh, a little revenge from last year's national championship loss to the Red Raiders. Thank you for listening. That's going to wrap it up for this episode and look for our next episode Sunday where we predict next week's bowl games and then later on we're gonna have a uh, preview episode for the remaining bowl games outside of the New Year's Six and then a specific episode previewing the four New Year's Six bowls outside of the playoff as well as then a cult football playoff preview for the Rose and Sugar Bowls. So uh, look for that. They will be coming soon. And as always, thank you for listening. This is the Ultimate College Football Podcast.